Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this week's edition of Panel Riot. Happy New Comic Book Day! That's a thing that I keep forgetting to say in these episodes. This week, we examine all things uncanny. What does that mean? Well, you, we're going to find out together. No, I already know. You're going to find out. But first, uh, a theme song from intern Stan. Stan? <laughs> This week, we are examining all things uncanny, most things uncanny. I don't have all the issues that I was necessarily looking for, but the theme here is comics with the word uncanny in the title. This week, we are going to be reading issues of Uncanny Avengers, Uncanny X-Force, and of course, Uncanny X-Men. I also wanted to read uh, Uncanny Inhumans. Um, but uh, I, I don't know that that's actually started yet. That might be a post-Secret Wars kind of a deal. But rest assured, once it comes out, I will maybe read it because they are really trying to make the Inhumans a thing. Um, before we get into all of that, I want to uh, send out a sincere thank you to everyone who has taken the Panel Riot survey thus far. You have all been a tremendous help to me, and I greatly appreciate it. But... Uh, if I could get just a few more replies, if you haven't done so yet, please go to bitly.com, bitly.com slash panel riot. And uh, it's a quick survey. It's 10 questions. I want to get to know my listeners. I want to get to know what you guys want to hear from the show, what you don't want to hear from the show. Help me help you by helping me, but do, do the show. That doesn't make sense. Um, I got in a, a feedback loop there for a minute of helping. Either way, uh, if you could take a take a moment, I would uh, greatly, greatly appreciate it. All right, first up, let's get started. I actually accidentally did these in reverse chronological order. So uh, we're going to start with Uncanny Avengers, which uh, is the most recent. This was one of the flagship titles for the Marvel Now um, initiative that they... Uh, they have they recently rolled out and um it's the well let, let's get into it okay uh rick remender remender Rem, remender i don't know how to pronounce that i'm sorry but that, that's going to be a problem because a couple of these books are written by him is it rick Re you know what we're gonna we're gonna hold on we're gonna wait for just one second here and i'm gonna look up the pronunciation i'll be right back <laughs> Rick 
Remender. Remender. It is, in fact, Remender. Thank you for bearing with me uh, on that one, folks. So, Rick Remender, uh, who has written Uncanny Avengers, uh, art by John Cassidy. And uh, I got to tell you, this one was a little tough. It was a tough read. Um, I read the first few issues uh, in the past, um, not for to review this, and um, I, it, it put me off. It really, I'll tell you up front, it put me off. Uh, this issue in particular is uh, gross and uncomfortable. It starts with a very graphic depiction of someone talking and removing the frontal lobe of a man's brain and replacing it with some sort of machine. Uh, it, it's really enough to put you off before you even get started. Very graphic, very gross know that up front um after this we're drawn back in we're greeted with something a little more familiar uh wolverine and professor x uh xavier was recently killed uh by a phoenix mad cyclops hashtag cyclops sucks uh and this was the beginning of that fallout basically this was um after the um avengers versus x-men storyline and uh this is a direct result of that um, and this issue is uh, uh, Charles's funeral, and Wolverine is going to speak. You know, interspersed with uh, Wolverine's speech, which is very touching, it's very good, um, we see Alex Summers going to speak with his newly imprisoned brother, Cyclops. Uh, the, I feel like the whole thing was kind of an attempt to polarize, not polarize, popularize Havoc as a character in general in the Marvel Universe. Can you guess how that went? Not well. Havoc basically tells Scott that he's a piece of shit. And while Scott does not deny it, he also doesn't own up to it. Uh, And when I think about it, I don't know that Cyclops ever really does apologize for what he does uh, as the Phoenix. I know that at times he shows remorse for Charles, but he always chalks it up to, quote, doing what needed to be done. Um, And uh, I could be wrong, but at no point... Does he admit that he was completely out of control and and ruined everything? Uh, Because, as you know, hashtag Cyclops sucks. As Alex is leaving, he's confronted by Captain America and Thor, and they deliver some of the best lines of the entire book, particularly Thor. Cap, Alex Summers, come have a cup of coffee with me. Thor, the place we go to also makes lattes, if you prefer. I do. That's it. There it is, the height Oh, Uncanny Avengers. Speaking of the Uncanny Avengers, Cap asks Alex to start up his own team with both X-Men and Avengers on the team. He wants to cook up a team that uh, uh, puts a good face on mutants after the whole Avengers versus X-Men theme. Wolverine isn't a very good spokesperson because of his uh, stabby past. And uh, Alex is a Summers, so let's do that. So it turns out the guy with new brain bits from earlier is Avalanche. He wanders into a city, city and randomly starts killing people. As you can imagine, this does not go over well with our new fresh besties, uh, Cap, Thor, and Havoc, and uh, they're on the case. They try to stop Avalanche. It doesn't go super well. They save a few people, and Avalanche kills himself, uh, and then we, again, smash cut to Scarlet Witch, saying a few words over Charles's grave and leaving flowers and all that. Rogue sees this and tells her, rightfully so, uh, to piss off. They exchange some harsh words and a punch before things can go any further, um, but a fun batch of folks show up to stop the proceedings. Rogue tries to absorb 
um, Scarlet Witch's powers, and it doesn't actually happen because apparently uh, there's a, someone named the Goatface Girl who neutralizes powers. Her name, that's not a thing I made up, is the Goatfaced Girl, which is great. They attack in ways that conveniently let them introduce themselves. There's the Living Wind. I bet you can guess what he does. The Insect. A little on the nose. Uh, and the Insect stabs Wanda through the middle before the rest get to have their proper introductions. I'll handle it for them, though. Uh, there's Water Lady, who is made of water. Gamera. And Mashup, who looks like one of those three-plate things that everyone had as a kid. We close with possibly one of the worst panels in the book, and if I'm honest, this was the one that really, really made me, um, it put me off more than the beginning. Uh, we've got the villain of the piece finally revealed, the Red Skull, holding the brain of Xavier. The reason that our um, kind of D-level villain showed up was to steal the body of Xavier um, so that Skull could take the brain because it's it holds great power, apparently. So he's holding the brain of Xavier over the opened skull cavity of Xavier himself. It's gross and it's shocking and remarkably unsettling and just, it's it's off-putting. It's not great. I'm not a fan. And that's it. That's the first issue. That's issue number one of Uncanny Avengers, the Marvel Now version. And um, yeah, how is it as an introduction? Well... It's okay, I guess. Um, it's uh, it, it lets uh, Wolverine kind of say his goodbye to um, to Xavier. Uh, it sets up the idea behind this new team, the you know unity between mutants and Avengers and everything like that. Um, it shows that Cap and Thor are on board with it. That you know Alex is iffy about it. You show the tension between Rogue and Scarlet Witch, who are will eventually become members of the team uh and it um is needlessly shocking with the stuff with the red skull so um i will say that the writing is great rick remender is wildly talented as we'll get into more later does it make me want to read more absolutely not i am the the mild curiosity i have to find out what's going on and who water lady is and uh, why the Red Skull wants Xavier's brain is absolutely outpaced by the grossness and bleakness that kind of hangs over the entire book. There's not enough here to draw me in, unfortunately. Should you read it? Probably not. The only reason, I feel the only reason to read Uncanny Avengers, at least this run of it, is that, from my understanding, it does a lot to set up a lot of the things that are happening now in the Secret Wars universe. Um, a lot of the, it, and it definitely did a lot to set up the um, uh, the Axis storyline that was out, the Avengers plus X Men storyline that happened. Um, I feel like I think this this specifically was building to that. It was kind of Rick Remender's baby, and I think he also wrote the Axis books. So, if you read those and enjoy them, check this out. If not, you can take a pass. I have read the recap on Wikipedia. And with that, we're going to have a quick word from one of our sponsors. Please stick around for more Uncanny Panel Riot. In or around the Pittsburgh area? Check out Metamorphosis, Pittsburgh's only full-service organic salon, spa, and wellness studio. Haircut? Check. 
Manny, check. Petty, check. Massages, highlights, sauna, and facials, absolutely. We even offer professional yoga classes daily. Visit us at SpaPGH.com. That's S-P-A-P-G-H.com today. Because when you feel good, you look even better. As always, our sincere thanks to everyone over at Metamorphosis, SpaPGH.com. They are seriously the happiest place on earth. I can't wait to get back. My toes are a fright. They need done. And uh, I think it's I think it's maybe in a couple of weekends, a couple of weekends, and uh, I'm gonna go get them done. Pamper myself, treat myself, treat yourself. Go to spotpgh.com and uh, get it taken care of. We are talking about all things uncanny. This is a very uncanny episode of Pano Riot. I should rename the entire show. I should just rename it Uncanny Pano Riot. No, that's a bad idea. That's not a good idea. Uh, and up next, we're gonna talk about Uncanny X Force. Uncanny X-Force, once again, written by Rick Remender, and uh, art by Jerome Opina. Opina? Sorry. Um, This book is way, way better than the first one. It's still kind of gross and disturbing in certain parts, but um, overall, it is... I feel it's it's written better, and the art is... Well, no, uh, yeah, the art's better. I feel like the art's better. Anyway, let's get into it. Uh, We open with a joke. Appropriately enough, it's from Deadpool. Dressed all in black and white and standing on a sculpture of a guy who's throwing up green something. Deadpool. Why did the nickel jump off the building, but the dime didn't? Next panel, he jumps. Dime had more sense. And with that, we're off to one of the best runs in recent comic history. Deadpool jokes and jokes until he doesn't. What he's found is some kind of death cult. He's not sure exactly what it is. Um, and he checks in with base, wherever base is. And he kind of explains what's going on. He sees a, a weird um, ritual happening and someone gets killed and someone's walking out of some mist. Um, but he can only say so much and make a, uh, an awesome no-doubt joke. Uh, and then he's promptly killed by a minotaur. Here's the thing about Deadpool. Deadpool has been written by many, many, many people. Uh, everyone looking for comic relief or an easy gig writing gags in a book that will sell regardless of its quality because it's a Deadpool book. In this book, in Uncanny Avengers, uh, Rick Remender does something that just a handful of other writers really do uh, when they get their hands on Deadpool. He gives him a voice. There's jokes, sure, and he talks a lot, as Deadpool does, But when he speaks, it's with a very distinct style. It's not just wacky stuff and violence and and totally off-the-wall, out-there stuff. It's nice, and it's one of the things that makes Deadpool a pleasure to read when he's in the right hands. And these are absolutely the right hands to write Deadpool. We cut to Archangel torturing Angel. I know what I said. And Psylocke bursting in to investigate. Now, unsurprisingly, it is a dream. Uh, Betsy pops up in bed and we see that she's sleeping with Angel I don't actually know if at this point they were an established couple or if it was a you know down low thing or whatever it was either way they have a quick chat about Archangel and what he means to the two of them what he represents essentially Uh, he's kind of discussed like an alternate personality within Angel and Betsy's helping him deal with it and control it and sometimes use it 
Um, he can kind of turn back and forth between Angel and Archangel. It's not easy, it's not recommended, but he can do it. They chat briefly about X-Force and what it is now and what it used to be and how it's a secret from Cyclops, but it wasn't before. It's worth mentioning that up until this issue, actually, X-Force was Scott's secret murder team, and up until it wasn't. Angel gets the call from Deadpool, and he's kind of surprised, and he actually makes a few jokes about it. I like in this book how they're, uh, they start by kind of dismissing Deadpool as a, as a bad joke, but... Um, as time goes on, they kind of take him more and more seriously. Uh, Angel says, oh, only one person has this line, but he's probably just drunk again. He never expected him to find anything. Either way, we're off to the races. Next up, another great scene. We've got Phantom X. He's robbing a museum, and uh, in just a couple of panels, we get a brief rundown of his powers. Turns out, He's in a little competition with Wolverine, who has beat him to the punch. Wolverine is already inside, um, and the two have a bit of uh, back and forth, which is remarkably enjoyable. Again, Remender's ability to use distinctive voices really shines through here. Wolverine is rough and calm and to the point. Phantom X, who is, it's worth mentioning, is French, uh, is cultured and uses more embroidered language. At one point, he calls Wolverine a Philistine, which is great. Wolverine informs him that a meeting was called, and to that end, we get a little bit of banter as Wolverine, Angel, Cyclops, and Phantom X travel in Phantom X's external nervous system to wherever Deadpool died. That's a complicated sentence, and I realize that, but um, go read the book. Phantom X has a lot going on. It sets up all manner of things, including how Phantom X wants to sleep with Psylocke, how Psylocke isn't completely uh, against the idea, regardless of how she what she says, basically, um, how Wolverine doesn't trust Angel's business and how everyone is willing to kill Angel should he get out of control. You know, probably. Oh, and they heavily imply who exactly they're after, but they never actually say who it is. But we know who it is, right? Oh, you don't? Oh. Well, in that case. They arrive, and they fight the Minotaur from earlier. He's also a statue. Did I mention that? He's a statue. It's not important. Wolverine gets possessed when he takes an axe to the shoulder, uh, and Betsy tries to get inside the mind of the Minnow statue. Uh, she starts screaming about how, how war is life and fire is the only solution, and on and on and on, and Phantom X tackles her off the creature, and we get one of the best panels in the book. So Phantom X tackles Psylocke off the creature, and her psychic link is broken. You can see her, um, you know, the kind of psychic glow that she has when she's doing her business. It's, you know kind of disintegrating and phantom x says out loud now that's grade a crazy talk but in a dialogue box he says her hair smells like jasmine it's such a simple panel but it it's great it speaks volumes phantom x then uses his mutant power of quote misdirection which is kind of a cover all term i'll admit uh to get inside the creature's head and convince it that it just fell in love with psylocke and it explodes Simple but effective. Betsy then clears Wolverine's head of the possession. Wolverine points out that he's felt that poison before. Do you know who it is now? Still no? All right. We find Deadpool, not as dead as earlier expected, being experimented on. They go free him, and Deadpool refers to, ang- <laughs> Deadpool refers to Angel as, quote, Angry Pants, the screamy boss. I've got to tell you, it fits. After a quick escape, we get a conversation that draws all the threads together. 
It's Apocalypse, and it's revealed in the most interesting way possible. We see him resurrected as a small child. He's a tiny little man in a suit playing with a Ben Grimm action figure and some army men. It's disturbing and unsettling in a very different way than Uncanny Avengers was. It's fascinating, and it compels one to read immediately onto the next issue. But, alas, I do have a podcast to do and one more book to go. But, before that, how is it as an introduction? It's great. It doesn't spend too much time setting up the characters that you know. Of course, if you're a fan of comics, you know who Archangel is, you know who Psylocke is, Wolverine, Deadpool, you're familiar it does spend a bit of time setting up Phantom X, who's the newest character um, and the one that people are least likely to be familiar with. Putting these people on a team, seeing how they interact, seeing what they're going to be struggling with, what they're up against, it's awesome. It's a small taste, and it absolutely makes me want more, which uh, answers our next question, does it make me want to read more? Yes. It totally does. And I've read all these before. It makes me want to go back and read this run again, which I think I've already done at least two or three times. It's, it's awesome. Should you read it? Yes. Go and get it at once. Go on Amazon. You know what? Go to panelriot.com. And I'm pretty sure if you click the link that says Amazon, you will find what you're looking for. Go and check it out at your earliest convenience. Uh, we're moving right along here, folks. And uh, we're going to have another quick word from our sponsor. And uh, yeah, we'll be right back with more Panel Riot. Please stick around. Let's talk tech. Tech news discussions from the people in the industry right here in Pittsburgh. Online, gadgets, startups, and more. Check it out at awesomecast.net. Hi, everyone. Do you like video games? Do you like reading about video games? Do you like listening to podcasts about video games? Why don't you check out insertcointobegin.com? New articles going up daily, and you can check out our podcast, Boss Battle, on sorgatronmedia.com. Do you like professional wrestling? Want your discussions? No holds barred. Check out wrestlingmayhemshow.com for all the wrestling podcast flavor you can handle. And we're back. We are back. Podcast, podcast, podcast. Can't get enough of those podcasts. I know that I can't listen to just one. And uh, I just advertised for three of them. Those are three excellent podcasts. You should absolutely check them out at your earliest convenience. We are talking about comics. We are talking about uncanny comics. And of course, we can't talk about uncanny comics without talking about the uncanny X-Men. The third book is uh, probably one of my favorites of the batch thus far, Uncanny X-Men, written by Kieran Gillen, art by Carlos Pacheco. Sorry, I probably pronounced that wrong. Um, this is, uh, again, further down on the timeline, this is um, uh, after the schism, uh, after Wolverine and Cyclops finally had enough of each other, um, it launched Wolverine and the X-Men and Uncanny X-Men. Wolverine and the X-Men was, of course, Wolverine's team, and Uncanny X-Men being Cyclops' team. Speaking of which, we start with a splash page. Meet the team, the Uncanny X-Men. Um, it's Cyclops' team, and it is basically a team of reformed villains. Magneto, Emma Frost, Danger, Namor, Magic, they're all here, along with Storm, Colossus, who is currently also the Juggernaut, which is important, 
and Hope Summers, who has not yet reignited the mutant gene. They also mention Mr. Sinister, who is a constant thorn in Cyclops' fleshy parts. We open on San Francisco. It's a commercial for tourism and mutants. There's a dreaming celestial. It's great. Oh, look at this. Here are some tourists. Fleshy Midwesterners who are whiny and promptly killed, promptly killed by Mr. Sinister. Now, Sinister has taken a bit of a, uh, a turn in this series, which I greatly appreciate. He's a bit more fashionable and British. It's a welcome change from the flat-topped mustache twirler he's been in the past. That is surprisingly hard to say, flat-topped mustache twirler. Oh boy, very satisfying though. He finds a way into the Dreaming Celestial. What's he going to do? Who cares? The Uncanny X-Men are in a meeting. Well, they're about to be. Cyclops and Emma Frost have a little conversation before the meeting. Cyclops is nervous about the new team, and Emma is trying to reassure her and reassure him in her very unique way. A quick side note about Emma Frost. I hated this character for a very, very long time. I didn't understand why she was part of the X-Men, and of course I was a Jean Grey fan, and you know how all that shook out. Needless to say, I did not enjoy her sticking around. My opinion, however, softened over time. Uh, The more I read of the new Emma Frosted X-Men, the more I liked. They explored the character more and more and made her more interesting. She was uh, the Charles Emerson Winchester III of the group. And if you get that reference, I love you. Finally, once I started reading her with a British accent, it all kind of clicked into place. She's become one of my favorite characters in the book. Uh, I'm sorry. She's become one of my favorite characters in this book. This run, specifically, had a lot to do with that. For instance, here's a little bit of the conversation that they had before the meeting. Emma says, be nervous. Regardless, you'll be glorious. We all believe in you. Cyclops says, thank you, Emma. She says, it's worth noting that I, of course, am perfect in all things and having a worry, you absolute weakling. She's awesome. We enter and we get a splash page to the new team. Magneto and Danger and Colossus and... No, I'm sorry, I covered all this. Anyway, there's the team, the Extinction Team, to be precise. Cyclops calls them the Extinction Team, and everyone's kind of confused, so Cyclops explains. Essentially, the split between Wolverine School and this one has raised the stakes. Cyclops wants to make a statement, and this team is that statement. They're the Avengers of the Mutants, which is a weird sentence. They're the ones who will deal with galactic extinction-level threats. They're the line. Cyclops thinks that if they save humanity enough, that they'll realize that they need them instead of hating them. Hashtag Cyclops sucks. He even takes a little jab at the Avengers, hinting at things to come. In short, we've always been Earth's mightiest heroes. Extinction Team will prove it. What a dick. Cyclops compares Utopia, which is their current homestead, to North Korea while mentioning weapons of mass destruction. Scott is overstating, mildly. But what follows is one of the best exchanges in an X-book for a long time. Storm is naturally concerned and asks everyone to, quote, no, I'm sorry, (laughs) asks everyone to raise their hands, quote, if you've never gone through a stage that others characterized as mainly supervillain. Storm, Hope, and Scott raise their hands. Storm, your hands are up, Scott. Are you absolutely sure it it should be? Emma, oh, he's working on it. Amazing.
What follows is a quick montage of everything the X-Men are up to. Progress reports of the good they're doing in San Francisco. Everything is going great. Too great. Cyclops is bored. There's no suitable assignments for the extinction team. Meanwhile, in space, some space shit is happening. And Agent Brand is not happy. If you're not familiar with Agent Brand, you should go read Astonishing X-Men, because that's real good. The Dreaming Celestial is exhibiting some strange energy patterns, and she wants the X-Men to give it a gander. Cyclops takes this opportunity to talk more shit on the Avengers. Brand, you're the local specialists. I'm I'm contacting the Avengers next, but Cyclops, I wouldn't bother. If we can't handle it, what chance do they have? Hashtag, you know the rest. So off they go. Extinction team assemble. Let's go look at the thing. They're a little baffled until... Oh, a clue. Oh, it's the head. It turns into Mr. Sinister and floats away. What could it mean? Emma links Cyclops up psychically with the newly British Mr. Sinister, and they have a little brain chat. It predictably goes not very well, and Sinister attacks. Scott tells Emma to summon Namor, which he loves, because he wants to sleep with Emma like you wouldn't believe. Namor wants to sleep with Emma, not Scott. Although Scott does, and probably is, but probably isn't thinking about it when he's doing it. Namor, however, is not, and thinking about it all the time. The head is defeated, but more robots emerge that are made out of bits of the sleeping celestial. Dreaming celestial, whatever. And uh, they go on the offensive. Colossus is knocked through a windmill, and Emma's arm is snapped off. It's not great. Magic goes and checks on Colossus, who turns into the Juggernaut. He doesn't handle it particularly well, but he keeps it together long enough to return to the battlefield. They figure out what's happening is largely electromagnetic, so guess who gets to shine? Magneto reassembles the Dreaming Celestial's body with little noticeable effort, but we get another great exchange between the characters. Scott. Magneto. That's incredible. Are you okay? Magneto. I'm acting as a surrogate nervous system for a cosmic entity. If you don't resolve this situation with haste, expect my brains to leak from my eye sockets. Fantastic. Sinister lands as the head nearby and creates an entire town of pithy... (laughs) Let's start that again. Sinister lands the head nearby and creates an entire town of pithy British sinisters, all wearing different outfits, all very sassy. And that's it. That's the first book. How does it serve as an introduction? Great. It's wonderful. Again, this is a book for people who know these characters. You read through the Schism storyline. You're an X-Men fan. You're familiar with their history. You know who these people are. It doesn't spend a lot of time setting that up. What it does set up is the situation that they're in. The Extinction Team. The crap with Mr. Sinister. The things with Agent Brand. There's uh, a lot of foreshadowing of what's to come. There's a little hand-holding, too, which I'm not a fan of. Um, There's that splash page with everybody's name in the beginning. Um, There's another splash page of things to come, and it's basically a big, admittedly gorgeous drawing of things that are related to storylines in the future of the book. Does it make me want to read more? Absolutely it does. And it also makes me kind of sad. This was the last book that featured the X-Men kind of as I know them. I love the books that focused on the X-Men in San Francisco. That was great. They were a team, and they were a family, and it was them against the world, and that's the X-Men that I know and love. 
I still enjoy all the characters and I, I love a lot of the things that get done with them. But, um, but this, this was a, a treat for me. And the fact that it ended with, um, the whole, you know, Phoenix force, the Phoenix five and everything like that. And Avengers versus X-Men, that's fine. That's all well and good. Um, but after that was the Uncanny uh, uncanny X-Men book that Brian Michael Bendis wrote, which, for some reason, I love him as a writer, but that really failed to keep my interest. Um, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it was so much focus on, on New Mutants or what the deal was, or just not enough focus on where the book was going. But I, I should give it another chance, and I probably will, because it's X-Men, it's Bendis, it's got all the... Um, hallmarks of something I should enjoy, but we'll see. Um, but yes, you should read this run on Uncanny X-Men. Read it all the way into Avengers vs. X-Men. Read it all the way into the Phoenix Five uh, until Charles Xavier's dead. It's totally worth it. Should you read it? Yes. Simple. Yes. That's it. Before we close the book on another episode, I have a few things to share with you. Would you like more Panel Riot? Well, more is available. You can find us at our base of operations, panelriot.com, and from there you can do all manner of things, including donating to the cause. That's right. Become a Patreon supporter of Panel Riot, and you will have my undying gratitude, as well as a few other nifty bits and bobs. Just click the link that says Patreon and go from there. That being said, I would like to give a very special thanks to our first Patreon supporter, Mike Sorg, a.k.a. Sorgatron, uh, a.k.a. SorgatronMedia.com, the man himself. He puts his money where his mouth is, literally. Thank you, Sorg. You can find us on Twitter at Panel Riot. I'm at DJ Lunchbox. And you can also follow the sensational intern Stan at Intern Stan. Incidentally, uh, Stan's namesake, Stan Lee, was recently hospitalized briefly. He made it out to uh, go to a con, but uh, whatever it is, Stan, we wish you a speedy recovery. The world will not be the same without you. You can hear us all over the place, including Stitcher Smart Radio, Spreaker, and of course, iTunes. Uh, incidentally, if you are using iTunes, please take a second, rate us, and review us. That's how we get known. If none of those work for you, you can head over to panelriot.com and click the link that says Most Recent Episode. From there, you will be whisked away. Whisked! Ha! Ugh. Whisked away to a land of episode descriptions and browser players. I hope you enjoy it. I would love to know what you think of the show. Email us, panelride at gmail.com. Tell me what you're reading, what you like, what you don't like, what the best uncanny book is. And for some input on the show, head on over to bitly.com, B-I-T-L-Y dot com slash panelriot. Take our survey. It will only be there for a few more days. Thanks for listening, true believers. Until next week, when hopefully I will have thought up a catchphrase. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com.
Let's go out to the lobby. Let's go out to the lobby. Let's go out to the lobby and have ourselves some wine. Petri wine.